Sales Tuners, Episode 23, Patrick Giusti, Chief Revenue Officer at Point Inside. You have to be bold. You have to be confident. You have to say, yes, I can learn this. Yes, I can be an expert. I can walk into the C-suite and, and hold my own. And that, that's a big step for a lot of people. This is Sales Tuners with Jim Brown. The only weekly show where we talk about the behaviors, attitudes, and techniques that get sales reps and entrepreneurs to grow their revenue from $1 million to more than $10 million in just two years. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. It's time, it's time, it's time. It's Sales Tuners time. I'm Jim Brown, your host, and our weekly inspiration comes from Doug Larson, who said, wisdom is the reward you get for a lifetime of listening when you would have preferred to talk. Today, I'm joined by Patrick Giusti, Chief Revenue Officer at Point Inside, a location-based in-store shopping experience application. For most of his career, Patrick has led sales at huge corporations like SAP and Oracle, but recently opted to be able to have more impact in the startup space. Prior to starting his professional career, he played professional basketball in Europe for four years, which he believes set the foundation for his competitive drive. Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our sponsors. A big thanks goes out to the team at Okta for helping make this podcast possible. We all know that a better sales process creates a better buying experience, and Okta is transforming the way sales documents are created, distributed, and tracked. Check out a demo at Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V dot com. All right, make sure you stick around until the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways. You can also check out all the links and show notes at salesooners.com slash 23. But now let's get to the conversation where Patrick digs in to how he models his ideal customer profile. For us, it really, it really starts with understanding who our target customer is, what they care about, what challenges they face. And for example, at Point Inside, what we've developed is a platform that helps retailers understand um, product location and shopper location and how they create a better customer experience. So allowing shoppers to find products within, you know, huge format stores like a Target or a Lowe's. And then also understanding the product location data um, and run analytics against that to, to determine, you know, what is the most profitable place to put an item in the store and really the analytics that that generates allows companies to to use that across merchandising across store operations across marketing to to really create a better customer experience and be more efficient uh, as a retailer and so we're we're really the only ones are, that are doing this to this that level and so being able to take that um that information and and that opportunity to the customers, it's really important to know what they care about and then, then take that messaging to the appropriate person within that company. Got it. I want to dive uh, into that quite a bit, but before we do, let's go all the way back. So how did you get into sales? What did that uh, look like to start your career? Yeah. So I think as you, as you mentioned, uh, right out of college, I played basketball in in Europe and South America for four years. And so when I came back to the U.S., I, I was really thinking about what I wanted to do with my career. I did a couple different things. I bartended for a short period of time. I worked with at-risk kids. And when I landed my first sales job, I kind of knew right away that this is this was the great career path for me. And I think I think part of it is having that sports background. Um, if you think about it, you know the the presentation, the the competition, 
the the ability i think at the end of the day to know whether you won or lost did you win the deal did you beat your competition did you make your quota really kind of um lends itself to the sport the sports background and so it felt very natural for me to get into sales and i was at the time i was in the silicon valley and got to got to work for a, a great company called rational software and so that that's how it started and i kind of fell in love with it from there got it now you told me that you grew up in sunnyvale uh california before silicon valley was even a thing so how did you get mixed up into uh, the software space before uh before silicon valley yeah it was interesting there there i had two two older brothers uh, my, uh both in technology one of them worked for uh, Apple, one of them worked for Lockheed at the time. And so it was kind of a natural thing for me. And, and as the Silicon Valley started to grow and the, the big brands like the HPs of the world and Apples of the world started to be more prolific, it, it just seemed like a very natural place to go. And, and, you know, since then, it's a very, very different place than it was when I grew up. The cherry orchards are now replaced by office parks and you know, every high tech logo in the world has a, has a spot down there. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I, I can't imagine that uh, you were just blowing things out of the water, having great success from day one. What were some of the, the challenges, uh, Patrick, early on that you had to face in your sales career? I, I think the most, the, the initial challenge was, was, you know, really understanding, you know, what the sales process was and, and what I needed to do. I think, I think the, the challenge was embracing technology and saying, yes, I can learn this. I can be the expert. I can walk into you know the office of a C level executive and and hold my own. That was that was at the beginning of my, of my career was was intimidating, and it took some time, and it took experience, and it took you know going through a lot of deal cycles to say yes, I, I can do this. I'm going to be the expert. I'm going to I can walk into a C level executive's office and, and make recommendations. How did you how did you start to get there? What was the I mean, you said a lot of sales cycles, but how did you overcome that and feel like you had, you know, equal business stature as you walked in that office? Well, I think I think one of the one of the key things that that helps me and it still helps me today is by doing the research um, and really understanding what whether it's a specific customer or a specific person, understanding kind of what their business drivers are. And now, you know, I think today, more obviously more than ever, with the amount of information that you can find out about people and companies and strategies, you know, by looking at blogs people write, uh, what they post, um, what papers that they've written, uh, annual reports and things like that. I think if you do the research and you feel, um, you know, confident that you understand the business, you, you can be a lot more comfortable walking into an office and saying, yes, here's what we do. I understand your business. Here's a recommendation that we would make. You know, let's move forward. Sure. Well, how, how are you guys opening up the door today? How are you getting uh, opportunities in front of prospects? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. And I think it's, it's something that, that, you know, we always try, I think every sales team tries to do more of. And I, I think, I think it starts with understanding your market, understanding what, for example, at Point Inside, we're, we're very focused on top 100 retail. So understanding, for example, that every time Amazon makes an announcement about opening up brick and mortar stores or a new style of e-commerce, uh, I think that that, is, that poses uh, and causes some angst for, for, for retailers. So understanding 
the the position that your target customers are in is first of all extremely important. I think the second thing is creating really world-class marketing and sales collateral that has the key messages and kind of the, the armor-piercing messages that are going to resonate with with that target market and then really bringing it, it to there. Again, you've done that research um, and, and you know, really being the expert and being a little bit bold to say, hey, we're a technology company. We know you're you're a retailer, but here's here's some examples of things that you could do that could really provide business value and taking that in a very direct way. And I think in this environment, more than ever, you, you kind of get one chance, right? So the first meetings are usually easier to get. It's the second meeting. Can you do enough in the first meeting to actually get that second meeting? And if you can do that, then, you know, more times than not, you're going you're gonna to start an active sales cycle. So let's let's go through that a little bit. So you mentioned, you know, you guys are targeting the top 100 retailers, right? So uh, there's just there's 100, right? There's 100 of those. Uh, I would assume that you have the contact information for those people. I would say within a week, you could reach out to all 100 of those. So how are you getting that foot in the door the first time? As you said, getting that first meeting beyond that, it's 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 about the sales cycle. But how are you opening up the door that first time? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and, and I think sometimes it's 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 a matter of, of uh, repetition, making sure that you're you're staying in front of people with the right messaging, whether it's you know whether it's through through email or different ways or direct mail or providing clutter. But one thing that we've that we've done that has worked pretty well is being very specific in terms of of recommendations, really out of the gate to the point where. Uh, we've actually done things like create screen mockups of of what the their customer experience could look like, and say, "Hey, this is this is an example of what of what we could provide to you and your customers, and to your merchandising team, and store operations, and marketing, and really putting a lot of work up front, as opposed to I think the old way would be to call and say, "Hey, you know, what keeps you up at night? What projects are you working on?" I think in today's environment that you have to put the work in up front and be very specific about you know what you're proposing and what your request is and that 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 is paid dividends it uh, you know it doesn't always work but it it certainly is something that i think uh, customers especially executives respond to better sure sure what so as you start to to go through that patrick what does the, a typical week look like for you at this point yeah so there there there's really a few things that i focus on Number one for me is always, you know, focusing on customers and prospects. So, you know, new new customer acquisition, working with existing customers is really always the top priority for me. Um, the second thing for me is really building a high performance culture and, and that's sales and marketing for me. And that includes things like hiring, training, uh, building the right messaging, messaging, taking time to do one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, practicing our product uh, presentations and things like that. And then really the third thing is, uh, you know, working with the executive team on strategy, whether it's, you know, what, what new product or feature should we build? How do we optimize the organization? Um, really keeping, keeping those things top of mind because, you know, as you know, in a, in a, in a growing market, in a growing company, uh, things change fast, and so you gotta you gotta be on top of it. So that's kind of the order 
uh, in which that, that I look at at my week, but it's uh, I try always to spend um, the first part of the day as much time as I possibly can working on um, customer uh, new new customer acquisition and making sure the existing customers are happy. Yeah, keeping priorities in order. I, I totally get that. One of the things that I've been told about you, Patrick, from others is that you are great at, at hiring people, but uh, it's not always been the case. I think you told me a little bit of a failure story with, with hiring. What was that about? Yeah, well, my first my first management job, I was so excited because I finally had a team and, you know, I wanted to, to put them all in place fast. And so I went out and I hired really fast and, and didn't put enough thought into who I was hiring and what attributes that, that that I wanted and I thought would would succeed, you know, in the culture that I was creating, and so it it did it didn't go that well. And so the, out of the out of the people that I hired, I think uh, you know there were there were two or three of them that didn't work out in the first year for various reasons, and it really forced me to think about what type of people I was hiring and and what the process that I put in place in order to evaluate that. So. Since then, you know, developed a process for hiring that is, it's not really long, but I think it's comprehensive. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that, that I think I've gotten really good at over the years. You've hired literally hundreds of sales reps. So can you walk me through that a little bit? What does that look like? If I were to, you know, apply for Patrick Juicy's sales team at uh, Inside, uh, Point Inside, what would I uh, go through? Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, think there, I think there's one key step I mean, we do the standard, you know, um, you know, initial screens and interviews and things like that. Um, the one thing that that I like to have everybody do is actually present. And it's it's interesting when you, you know, you do the screen. You really like somebody. Um, you bring them in. You know, they can meet the meet their peers, uh, meet the people they'd be working with, and get that feedback. And then having them go through a presentation where. Um, you know, they have to take, uh, uh, you know, maybe two or three slides, learn some material, and then really just present it back. It sounds easy, but, you know, you really learn a lot about somebody, uh, how they approach a task, how detailed they are. Do they just do the minimum? Do they do extra? And that, that's been a really good step in terms of understanding, you know, what people are going to be like once they start work. Uh, so that's kind of the one of one of the key things that, that that I like to do when I hire. And you know, sometimes you get you think somebody's great and they walk in and they do a terrible presentation. You think, wow, I'm glad we went through that step because you just wouldn't have known that unless you did. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's great, right? Getting them to present. Is there anything else that that you're looking for? I guess what are those attributes that you truly are looking for? Uh, or, or, or let's flip that. Those that have been the best. Uh, working for you, what are those attributes that make ha, have made them successful? Yeah, it's a good question. I think I think it's it's you know it can be different for different people. I mean, the the teams that I've built and going through this process have, have have all been very diverse in terms of in terms of you know what their demographics are and the you know what I what what I've kind of taken out of that. What I look for is somebody who is going to be uh, uh, prepared. Somebody who is going to put um, the extra effort in—you can tell that they practiced it. Um, somebody who's going to like one of one of the one of the really great uh, uh, reps that I hired uh, uh, a couple of years ago. She had done research on every single person that was going to be in that room, and she'd figured out 
what she had in common and who, who they knew in common. So before she even started her presentation, she had a short conversation with everybody and had found some common ground. And it felt like it was a bunch of friends sitting in a room, you know, just, just having a chat. And I was, it was very impressive to, to watch her do that. And I was like, wow, that, that, that's the type of person that I want to hire. You talked about, um, the, you know, coaching and that's, that's a big part of your day and your week as well. What, what does that role of coaching, uh, look like with high performing salespeople? Well, I think, I think high performing salespeople, um, always want to know more and they always want input on, you know, what they're doing. They want to, to, to practice their, their, their presentations. They want to bounce ideas off of people. They want to think outside the box. So one of the things that, that I think is just key uh, in, in, in sales is just to make sure that when you go into a presentation that you're prepping to the maximum ability that you can. So before we present anything, we always do what we call a dry run or at least one, maybe two, maybe more until we feel like it's right, until the person that, that is presenting is uh, 100% on message, it flows smoothly, um, if it slides, that the, all the slides are right, if it's a demo, that all, the, all the, 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 the demo flows are correct. And that's really the opportunity, one of the opportunities for me to, to provide that coaching about you know, which, which points to emphasize, um, you know, when to pause, when to ask questions, you know, kind of how to how to make sure that um, uh, the presentations are, are you know, relatively well scripted so that, so that we have the best chance of success. I and mean, that's, that's, that's one way of coaching. And I think, um, you know, the, the other way of coaching is just, is just making sure that all the, 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 the people, the sales team, you know, feel like they have the, the right amount of information, um, that they feel like they, they're on the path to being product experts. And that really kind of translates into into training and making sure that you know we're always we're never putting that on the back burner. That's always front and center. And I think that's it's a hard thing to do when you have a busy day and you have customers and you have you have a, you know every, everybody's just kind of back to back. But making time to to you know do that prep, but also uh, do that training that's gonna gonna really create not just great salespeople but but product experts and and industry experts. That's kind of what I was thinking, Patrick. I mean, it, I, I totally get what you're saying, but it seems like that's definitely is gonna slow down uh, the sales process or the sales cycle. How do you you know force or, or or make the time for that? Yeah, I I would think of it a little bit differently in the sense that that. When you when you get that meeting, let's say you're you're working on a prospect and you finally get that meeting uh, with that executive, and you get a chance to 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 really t talk to them about you know business value. It's so important that that meeting goes well that you know the preparation and the training and everything you do really pays dividends. And what that's going to translate into is you're going to get more sales cycles out of that. You're going to get you know higher higher close rates, better hit rates on your, on your, on your emails and your, your communications, you're going to get people to call you back if you're really prepared. So my, the, the way that I look at, at, at it is that training time and that coaching time pays huge dividends. And if you just kind of go, go after it and start making calls and, and 
you know, without doing that preparation, I think your hit rate really suffers. So I think there's the return on investment of doing training uh, is really high. It's hard to do. Uh, you have to force yourself to make time for it. But, you know, in, in, in my experience, it, uh, it, it, it's time well spent. Yeah, I, I totally. So let me kind of flip this and, and maybe you don't have the answer to this, but like, what would advice would you give to, you know, more, a more junior rep that's working in an organization that doesn't have a leader like you, right? So someone who is high performing, they want to ask the right questions. They want to get better, but their leadership, maybe who doesn't come from a sales background just says, well, go figure it out. Any advice for them? Yeah, I think it, it, it's a hard question. I think, I, I think that the, the 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 best way to handle that is is you you did salespeople have to envision themselves in the role of being the expert and maybe it's looking outside of uh, in different places in the company so for example maybe it's spending time with with engineering and product development maybe they're not directly in your organization but you know really understanding um, what your products do and what it means to your your target customers and maybe it's not directly you know related to your organization but looking outside of your organization for those 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 individuals and they're they're definitely there I mean and sometimes they're not they don't have the title that you think they should have um, you know in the sense of you know going to an engineer and asking on sales advice may may not seem intuitive but you know, they're in most companies. They're 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 people that that you know are very smart, and sometimes they're not the people that you think they that you would first think of. So, you know, looking you know throughout the organization, and you know, kind of like what I talked about at the beginning is you know looking for that 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 person that can be a mentor towards you, and maybe it's not even within your own company, but I think that is that is very helpful. But it's that 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 thirst for knowledge and and you know kind of thinking outside the box about where to find that. Uh, I think that everybody in any company appreciates, you know, somebody, especially a salesperson that is very well versed in the in the product and is a product expert and uh, and kind of understands the company vision and the messaging. And it, it's you just got to go and find that. And sometimes it's in places you wouldn't first think. Now, you recently, Patrick, gone from two very large, very well-known companies, SAP uh, and Oracle, uh, to a relative startup. What's that transition look like for you? Yeah, it's been it's it's been um, it's been great. I mean, I really really love what I'm doing. Um, I think the 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 one interesting thing is, you know, in big companies, it's so geographically spread out that you, know, you spend most of your days on you know conference calls and um, you know there's a lot of uh, you know you travel for internal meetings and bringing everybody together. It's so nice to have. You know, basically the entire company under one roof. Um, so it's a little bit it's a little bit different for me, but you know, I'm a few months into it and I've adapted well to it, and I, it, it's really it has a lot of benefits. So um, yeah, it's been great so far. What about the differences in resources, right? So you know, I was a part of Oracle for a short period of time, and I noticed you know there's a, an entire department for sales enablement, right? So, uh, and I've actually had uh, uh, RJ on the show before to talk about uh, the things that he did. I, I don't expect that you have that at Point Inside. So, how are you building that, or, or what are you doing differently uh, with, with maybe different resources? Yeah, that's that, 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 that's a great question, and it's definitely. That is one difference at, at Oracle. There's a department for everything, right? Yeah, right. Uh, whether you want to, you know, get uh, some graphics done for a white paper, or 
you know, you need someone to help you set up a booth at a trade show. And obviously at a small company, it, uh, it's not like that. And so, you know, I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of things. And one, one of the things, you know, that I found is that I have to be much more engaged in really every part of the business. And um, for me, that's been great. It, it, it has forced me to, to, you know, really push my limits, um, to learn a lot. And that's, that's a position I feel comfortable in when, when, when I'm learning, I'm happy. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's been good, but it's, it's definitely, I'm doing, doing different things, more, more things, but, but I like that. Yeah, sure. So whether it's within yourself or, or any of the reps that you've had at the big companies or now the reps that you have, uh, you know, at, at a point inside Patrick, what do you think is the biggest thing that holds them back from, from hitting their goals? Yeah, I think there's, I, I think there, I think there's a couple of things. I, I, I think they're, they're the, the main thing is really realizing that, you know, if you're a salesperson, there is an expectation that you understand very well, you know, not only what your company does, but let's say you're selling to a particular industry or even a particular company or even a particular person, understanding what they care about and, and overlooking that. I think the, the era of the general salesperson, the general sales professional is probably gone now. And we as salespeople, we have to be very specific. We have to be knowledgeable about industries, about products. And I think if we don't do that and we don't have that constant thirst for knowledge and, and constantly educating ourselves, I don't think that you can be successful as a salesperson, um, you know, in this in this era. And so I think uh, it, it takes you have to be bold. You have to be confident. You have to say, yes, I can learn this. Yes, I can be an expert. I can walk into the C-suite and, and hold my own. And that, that's a big step for a lot of people. And I think not embracing that is probably the thing that holds people back the most. It, it kind of aligns with one of the things that I've kind of uh, come to recently is that, in my opinion, the best salespeople are not people who know how to do a sales process. It's people who know about the product or service and just being able to go in and have a business conversation. Is it? Do you agree with that, or is that kind of in the, in lines with what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I I think I, I think it's both. So, you know, one of there, it, it it's what you're saying. I, I believe is definitely true. You you have to be able to have that business conversation and talk about the value that your company is bringing. Um, otherwise, it's not going to be a very long conversation, right? Or you're just not going to get a return phone call or return email or whatever, right? Um, and from the sales process side, I, I think there are a few things that are really, really key. So, and, and so, for example, <clears throat> one of one of the things that I think is really important is in in the sales cycles is kind of once you've made that initial. Um, uh, contact and you know you've had the, the the discussion is laying out a process for uh, your prospect that says hey here's what we're gonna here's here's what we're gonna do here are the steps here's what I'm gonna deliver to you and you know this is this is gonna be the result of you know whatever efforts we both put into this you're gonna get um, you know a readout of results or a prototype or a presentation whatever it is but being really clear on that I think helps uh, helps people buy, you know, help, helps them feel comfortable, you know, making a purchase. Yeah, that's good stuff. Patrick, uh, we're going to take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsors. When we come back, it's going to be time for the money around. So you don't go away and sales sooners, you don't go away either. We'll be right back. 
Sales Tuners, Octif has built a sales productivity platform that streamlines the workflow for creating and managing your sales documents. Everything from presentations and quotes to all of your proposals and contracts. They can pull data from your CRM, CPQ, and ERP systems, saving you time and accelerating each sales opportunity. Octave has been around since 2010 and now serves more than 400 organizations. I'm talking global enterprises, guys, like GE and Siemens, national brands like Angie's List and FedEx Office, and even industry innovators like Double Dutch and Lindemood Bell. You've got to check them out. Go to Octave.com. That's O-C-T-I-V.com to learn more. And hey, during your demo, be sure to tell them you heard about them on the Sales Tuners podcast. We're back and it's time for the money round. Patrick, are you ready for the money round? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Here we go. What's the one thing that has contributed most to your transformation from normal to exceptional? Seizing the opportunities when they present themselves, you know, right. whether it's a chance to recruit a mentor or get close with the customer. I think get, being bold enough to seize those opportunities. I like that a lot. All right. Um, if you were to start over today in sales, what would you spend the next 30 days doing? Researching um, in, re researching technology companies, trends, and going deep on, on where we think this industry is going. Got it. Two-part question here, Patrick. Which phrase describes you best and why? I love to win or I hate to lose? Definitely, definitely love to win. I'm kind of a glass is half full type of person, and there's nothing better for a salesperson than closing a big deal. There you go. Uh, what's a book that you've read multiple times or always find yourself recommending to others? What, what, one of my favorite books, and this it's not really a sales book, but uh, it's called The Tao of Physics by Fridolf Capra. And the reason I like it is I, I think it gives a really good perspective on how we interact with everything around us. Well, so sales tuners, if you'd like to check out Patrick's recommendation of the Dow of Physics for free, head on over to salestuners.com slash book. And there you can sign up for a 30 day free trial of Audible and browse their over 150,000 titles. Again, that's salestuners.com slash book. Patrick, what's the biggest piece of advice you have for all the sales tuners out there grinding today? I, I think it's, you know, the theme that, that we've talked a lot about today and that's just preparation you know, do the research on the companies and the people um, you know it's a best practice so that every single presentation every every interaction that you have you know with your prospects is meaningful and every presentation is as good as it can be gotcha I'm gonna get you out of here on this one how could someone find you or maybe connect with you if they wanted to after the show today Always available on LinkedIn. It's one of my favorite favorite tools. Patrick, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Okay, thanks for having me, Jim. All right, take care. It was really fun to compare and contrast the differences of large organizations and the plethora of resources they have with the startup mentality Patrick now finds himself in. I really enjoyed that conversation and want to get to my top takeaways. Number one, know the key players. Get to know who you are selling to before you meet them. Technology offers us a valuable resource of information about a person based on their professional networks, profiles, and even published works. Use that opportunity to see the connections and truly understand a prospect's business practices so you can establish common ground and rapport from the start. Number two, the biggest play of the game happens first. In sales, the biggest play of the game truly is the first one. You know the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, 
the amount of preparation you put in before a scheduled call becomes evident and determines whether you stand out from the crowd or not. Number three, play to the audience. It's one thing to sell an idea, product, or service to the decision maker in an organization, but understand, it's something entirely different whether that idea, product, or service resonates with your buyer. Understanding their motives and incentives can really unlock golden opportunities. That's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you have questions you'd like me to ask our guests, please tweet at me at SalesTuners or shoot me an email, jim at SalesTuners.com. Be sure to sign up for our email list where we send out expanded content and previews of upcoming guests. All right. I hope to see you next week. Until then, let's make it rain. Thanks for listening to Sales Tuners. Stay up to date at www.salestuners.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And they stay there.